0: How you doing, Knicks fans? Uh, I hope this podcast finds you well. It is, of course, your boy Jonathan Macri with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. And uh, you know, we try to always top ourselves here at nick 's film school um, I mean obviously we 've had some just spectacular guests over the first three months of the pod, but it 's two thousand and nineteen it 's a new year, and I think it 's time we move up to the big leagues um, and i I just don 't know that there are any bigger big leagues than ones that contain the voice that you hear coming at you every night um, from wherever the Knicks are. Right now, they're in L.A. Um, And that, of course, is Rebecca Harlow. Rebecca, how are you?
1: I am wonderful. Thank you for the kind intro. Much appreciated.
0: Um, Well, listen, um, with all due respect to the, the Howard Becks and the Ian Begleys and the Chris Herrings of the world, it's like... Listen, you're you're kind of a step up. I'm not going to lie.
1: <laughs> well, I love those guys, too, but I I appreciate it. I'm very fortunate to do what I do, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> well, I think Knicks fans are fortunate to have you doing what you do. Um, so I, I kind of just, before we talk about the team, I just want to talk about you a little bit. Um, so I was... Trying to do what research I I could on you, and um, so I see you're from Chicago, and uh, you were, I believe, five years old when Jordan started his rookie season with the Bulls. I have to ask: am I talking to a <laughs> am I talking to a Bulls fan here?
1: One hundred percent. Of course. I mean, but I know. But you know, the thing that's funny is I kind of tell people I'm a fan of the '90s Bulls because i grew up with jordan and basketball and how can you not love those jordan teams so yes i'm definitely a fan of those old school bulls teams for sure
0: i i might lose a lot of my listeners but um you know, I was like Spike Lee. I was a I was a Knicks fan, but my, my walls were covered with Jordan posters. I mean I was I mean it was Michael Jordan. I, you know, he couldn't go wrong. Um I'm curious, did that
1: I agree. I agree. Yeah,
0: no. Um did that I mean I have to think the time growing up in Chicago watching those teams influenced your, your decision to go into this career at least a little bit, right?
1: Well it definitely did. You know, at the time when I was Growing up in Chicago, I watched all those Bulls games. I'd, I'd watch them with my dad. I would cut out the newspaper clippings and make collages, and was so fired up about everything they were doing. I mean, it, it's it's crazy when you're around a team and you think 72 wins is normal. Um, you get super spoiled by it. And at the time, I never thought that I wanted to be a sportscaster. But looking back on it, I definitely think. It influenced my love for basketball and the NBA, and I was an athlete myself, so I think that had more influence at at the end of the day in terms of what I actually went into professionally, but without a doubt, my memories of growing up include the NBA and watching those teams for sure.
0: Yeah, so speaking of your your athletic triumphs, um, I am not going to lie. I did not know that there was such a thing as the heptathlon before I started doing some digging <laughs> today. Um, for those listeners out there who don't know how many events that is, that's seven, right? It's
1: seven. It is.
0: Um, and so you won the heptathlon at um, Princeton. And I saw that and I immediately wondered, how many Knicks on this current team could you beat in a heptathlon? And I I think I, my assumption is all of them, but I'm going to let you answer that question.
1: Uh, Ooh, I don't know. That's, that's a tough call. I'm going to say that I'm going to be able to get after most of them, you know, Uh, but they're also super athletes. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to back myself into a corner on that one in case anyone. Dares dare to go against <laughs>
0: <laughs> Um So, you have um, been on MSG now with this team, um, delivering. I, I want to say a dose of of positivity to fans at home um, since the beginning of the 2015 season. I, and I was thinking about it, I feel like us sitting there watching, I mean, we only see you or hear you on the broadcast for maybe 10-15 minutes a night, another 10 minutes or so in the post game. but can you take us through like what your typical game day is like?
1: Yeah, well, it depends on whether or not we're home or on the road, but I'll, I'll give you a, a day in the life of a road game, because we're in LA right now, so... Typically I would get up in the morning and go to shoot around. And so when I'm at shoot around, that's such a good time for me to just kind of get the pulse of the team and what's going on. And I'll, I'll talk to some of the players or the coaches after shoot around to work and develop some of the storylines that I want to get into for that night. And then it's back to the hotel and just preparing and working and Writing and reading and getting everything ready for the game. And then I, usually I'll try to sneak in a quick workout if I can. And then we are in our production meetings two and a half hours before the game starts. Oh so if it's, a, yeah, so if it's a seven o'clock game, we are in the arena meeting with the broadcast crew at 430. And then once we go through our broadcast production meeting, then you're talking to and interviewing um, the coaches and then the players in either the home or the away locker room and you're just kind of running around getting everything together for the the pregame show and it's super busy before tips. So game days are nonstop, but I love it. It's it's great and this team has been so much fun to work with this year. Um, we're having you know it's it's tough because they're losing a lot of games right now, but. At the same time, I've just been so impressed by the positivity around this team. And, you know, no one's putting their head down. It's, it's really it, – it's been special and it's been surprising because I've been around the NBA for a long time now. It's covered, you know, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Blazers, the Bulls. I also broadcast the for TNT. So I've, I've, I've seen so many teams over the years. And I've never seen an energy quite like what is going on in New York, despite the fact that they're not winning. And it's cool. It's really cool.
0: So there are a couple things that um, I want to pick up on what you just said, because it's, you know, it's funny. Talking with people on Nick's Twitter all day long, you tend to get the same kind of wonderings that people have. And I think the biggest one is that you know where you know from the outside looking in we're being told that there is exactly what you just said like this energy around this team and and to me i kind of see it shine through um but again just hearing that from you it's 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 something different i'm i'm almost wondering you know having covered you know, this league for so long, you've covered college football, you've covered, um, you know, uh, the NFL. I saw you even covered the San Jose Sharks for a while. I mean, you've seen, like, yep. yeah, every manner of professional and college, you know, team sport. Is there, like, mm-hmm. some kind of commonality that you look for in successful, whether it be teams or just, like, even groups of, of players that kind of shines through that if it's like, okay, if you guys get that settled good things are going to happen at some point.
1: Yeah. You know, I think it's a combination. Um, you know, it, it's, I, I look, the example that I would use, I covered the Blackhawks when they won the Stanley cup, when they scored two goals in 17 seconds to knock off Boston a few years ago. And I was on the ice when it happened and afterwards and being around it and then covering that team, that whole season, what you See is, well, it's three things, right? It's talent, obviously, and then it's work ethic and drive, and then a togetherness, because it's hard. <laughs> you know, when these guys are winning these games or these gals are winning these games, they make it look easy, but it's so hard, and there's so much work that goes into it that people at home don't see when they're just watching that game for two hours and so those are kind of the three things that I've noticed that teams that win championships have to have um and so you know with this Knicks team they're so young and they're building and growing but there's a togetherness and there's a camaraderie there that is just very real I mean on New Year's Eve for example we were in Denver and the team put together a dinner for everyone included families and stuff like that and so we were all together I mean it was the team it was the broadcasters the travel crew everyone was invited to bring their families and stuff and so you're sitting in this environment and you know, I hung out with Kevin Knox's niece she's two and she's adorable you know <laughs> and so just things that are going on like that she's playing cornhole by the way she's a superstar athlete and she's too. I mean, no surprise, right? L- Listen, I have, but, a, I have a two-year-old
0: daughter that is already well-versed in cornhole. Yeah. Um, she, she doesn't quite <laughs> right? get the concept that you have to throw the bag. She just walks right up to it and puts it in the hole, but I'll take what I can get. Anyway. Hey, yes. Yeah, I mean, but it, it's
1: fun. Yeah, they're so cute. But those those kinds of things are just so important when those things are happening off the court because then they're fighting for each other in every sense of the word and with each other and for each other. And, you know, you need to have that if you're going to win.
0: So I, I, you, you mentioned, you know, something like all of the time that these guys put in together and it's so much more than the two hours or two and a half hours we see them on the court. And, I, you know, I, my biggest, I guess, struggle trying to, um, I don't want to say cover this team, but like, you know, do what I do from my angle of it, is, you know, I have fans that that come at me and they're like, oh, you know, why is Fisdale only playing Frank uh, 19 minutes when he was looking good? He should have played him, whatever, 25, 26 minutes. And my response is always kind of the same. It's that we're not not with this team every day. We don't see what goes on behind closed doors. I, I think there's probably a lot more going on than we realize. What would you tell fans who are just seeing kind of like the product of the decisions that let's say that the coach is making or, you know, just what the players are doing on the court and don't have access to everything else that goes on when they, when they question decisions like that.
1: Right. Well, first of all, I love Knicks fans because they are so passionate and they do care and I love that they're invested. I love that they have opinions. And so I think that's great. And that makes everyone better. And that makes us all you know, want to be great and, and do good work and be good at our job. But, you know, aside from that, I would say that New Yorkers aren't the most patient. I'm also not the most patient. And I think they just want the Knicks to win so badly that they just kind of need to understand that the pieces are coming together and they've just got to be patient. It's going to take time. But when it comes to the decisions of who's playing and who's not playing and, minutes and stuff like that, these coaches are working so hard <laughs> to try to figure everything out. And they really are building for the future. So, you know, they want to win every time they step on the floor. There's no doubt about that. I mean, I want to make that super clear because they are competitors and they want to win. But at the same time, Coach Fisdale is still looking at what works and still uncovering layers of talent with these guys. And, you know, look at a guy like Noah Vonley, for example, who bounced around the league a little bit.
0: Love him. I, I can't is, get enough of him.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's he's turning into a phenomenal two-way player in this league. But it's crazy to me that when you look at his time in Charlotte and then you look at his time in Portland and then you know quick trade before he was came to New York but this kid is so gifted and no one's ever given him the opportunity to be involved in an offense in any kind of real way so when you look at that and you really break that down okay so what kind of passer is he well we don't know because he wasn't involved in the offense until now so there's so many things that are still coming together with this team. Um, and those are the things in the work that, that people don't see behind the scenes. But I really feel strongly about the fact that they're in a good position and they're in good hands and they're all doing the work. It's just, you know, you, you don't go from 19 to champions in a year. You just don't. I mean, it doesn't happen.
0: Yeah, no, I, I'm happy you brought up Vonley because, like, it's, you know, we – it's about building blocks and like something as simple as like he'll get a rebound and it seems like fizz has empowered him to you know you don't have to outlet it to the guard feel free dribble it up the court if you know you think you could do that and to me something as small as that that's not something maybe another coach or or several other coaches would do but how much does that mean to to guys for a coach to give them and even small things like that to do
1: well, it's everything, because it comes down to trust. So, you know, if you are Vonley, and you've been told your only job is to rebound and play defense. So every time, if, if, if you rebound the ball, now you've got to, you know, shoot it to a guard and then run up the floor, and then you're just going to kind of be a body moving around, but you know you're never going to get a shot. I mean, it, at some point, you would be so much less, engaged in kind of what's going on and so the trust and the responsibility that that he's been given has just been so great and he's responded and it's funny because I said the comment about the passing he's told me that that's the one area of his game that surprised him because he had the offensive skills he played that way in high school in college so but Now coming into the NBA, he said passing is something that he really loves. So he's really gotten into making his teammates better around him, but he also knows the ball's going to come back to him and he's going to take shots too. And I think for the big picture, that's what you want, right? I mean, you've got to have some superstars, but then you need a really deep bench. We saw that in Denver last night. They're just so deep. Um, So, it really, it really brings all those guys up. And there's just a lot of different stories on this team right now of guys like Vonley who are, are just beginning to discover everything that they can do.
0: Yeah. It it seems like it's an interesting mix of, you know, there's like the young, the young players. And then there's almost the young veterans. I put them in a different category, guys like Vonley and Moutier and, you know, even a guy like Hazonia. Um, And then of course you got your older veterans. It, it strikes me as a, what what I find most interesting, and again, you've been around so many teams, and you know, I guess the dangers that could come when guys are playing for their next contract, and so many of the guys on this team are playing for their next contract. But it seems like that selfishness that sometimes seeps into other situations has not yet stepped foot into this locker room. Um, is Is that a fair read of the situation?
1: Yes, Yeah. Yeah. These guys are in it together. The, the, the vibe is again, like I was saying, super positive before. I mean, last night it was really cool to see. And it, you know, and it's kind of funny. It was, it was almost a story that I stumbled on when I talked about how Damian Dotson and Kevin Knox and these guys were telling me that they wanted to win that game for Moutier and that they said that, it was similar to the sentiment they felt when they wanted to win for coach in Memphis. It wasn't a question that I even direct, I was talking to Damian Dotson first about it. And it wasn't a question that I even directly asked him. It was something that he told me when I was just saying, Hey, you know, what's your motivation tonight? Let's talk about this game. What's going on. And he pointed out that it was important because it's important to Moutier. And then, you talk to the other guys and and they're saying the same thing. So it wasn't even like I led them in that direction. And that stuff is just very real. I mean, these guys are sure they're all, they're all playing for contracts. I mean, that's the reality. You know, we're all, we're all working for our jobs and whatnot, but these guys want to be in New York. They want to be together and they believe in what coming together and what can potentially happen. So I think they all are invested in being a part of it and they want to earn that part of it and that place on this team moving forward.
0: So you, you just made me think of something because, you know, I, I feel like, and I, I promise you, I'm not just saying this because you're on the podcast. I feel like you have a rapport, um, with the players on this team where, um, I don't think it's too far to say, like you've earned their their trust. I'm wondering, as someone in your position, because to me, the job of like a beat writer that's easy. You could just say whatever you want, um, and you'll get you know agents telling you things or this or that. For you, you have to essentially almost work with these guys every day. But at the same time, you're also a journalist covering this team. How do you how do you toe that line? Um, Like I know you had to stand there and ask. Um, in his canner a couple of difficult question. Well, I don't want to say difficult, but ask him about the meeting you had with Scott Perry yesterday. Like, it, does it ever get uncomfortable for you to have to ask like t- you like tough questions that you know you have to ask to guys that you then obviously have to see every day?
1: Yeah, you know, sometimes it's hard when they're in a losing stretch, and I know these guys professionally but also personally, and so it's hard because I don't want to see them losing. I know they're frustrated at points with things that are going on, but I think the thing that's been really great about this team and is that I found that honesty is just always the best policy in terms of, being real with them and then they're real with me. Hmm. You know, so they know that there are times that I'm going to have to ask tough questions because there's no way around it. But they also trust that I am also supportive of the work that they're doing, if that makes sense.
0: So it, it does.
1: The balance works, you know, the balance works. And I think they know that I care about them as people, as well as them being basketball players professionally. Um, And I think that that helps. And likewise, that comes back to me when I do have to ask them the tough questions because we have kind of earned each other's respect over the years, collectively, Um, they give me real answers.
0: That and and you could tell. I mean, f- just for me watching at home, you know, you could tell when a, a guy is just you know saying the thing he knows he, he's supposed to say, and when somebody's actually um, you know giving you something real. I so that leads me to one of a couple players I just want to ask you about quickly, and then I'll, I'll get you out of here. I'm sure you have uh, better things to do than this. Uh, Frank nilakina He is. Um, I don't know if we were to divide up mixed conversation on Twitter into a pie. He would get like uh, f- five or, five or six slices uh, he, he would get the lion 's share easily um, i it, it's i don 't even like there's so many questions I could ask about him, but I think the one that i, I people are most curious about is people always ask about like what 's his confidence is, is like you know the fact that he might get more minutes one night and less minutes the next night like does that does that shake him? is he you know is he feeling good does he feel like the coaching staff believes in him like when you're talking to him and you're interviewing him um is it are you like trying to like get a sense of where he's at like you know mentally emotionally spiritually like all that stuff or are you just kind of taking him at his word like where are you where do do you think about frank
1: i think frank is awesome i love frank i agree Uh, i also think frank is
0: awesome thank you for saying that (laughs)
1: Yeah, I think Frank is awesome. I love Frank. Um, but you know it's funny because Frank is so young still. And so I think it it's really fascinating how um fans have really taken to him specifically and then within that it's kind of put him under such a microscope, right? So I think when you're as young as he is, of course, you're going to feel some of the the pressure from the outside just because that is part of the job. But at the same time, I think that Frank is super confident in his abilities as a basketball player. And I think we're going to see that more and more as he – plays more and you know in this league for a while and I mean people kind of thought that he was going to come in and be this insta star or the savior or whatever and you know it's these things take time I mean look at somebody like Jokic is a perfect example great right? example I mean, he totally. was nineteen when he came into the league he's not from the United States and he didn't play in college and the dude wasn't pulling down triple doubles
0: <laughs> he <laughs> couldn't he couldn't get on the court yeah
1: season. you know so i just think that again with frank it's one of those things where people just need to take a step back be patient let him continue to develop but i think the thing that is so cool about frank is that he is such a selfless player you know if you want to put a guy on the floor who is thinking team first even if that means passing up a good shot for a better shot that is frank to a T and so you know when people are talking about they want to see him be more aggressive and stuff like that I do think there are levels of aggressiveness that he can get his game to we've seen some flashes of that this year but at the same time i commend him for always playing the game the right way even if that means that that's not going to pad his numbers
0: uh i think what you just said is exactly why nick's fans have well a large segment of Knicks fans have fallen in love with him um is because he just wants to make the right play he doesn't care about his points that said he Did get a couple of points on uh, a certain Rudy Gobert the other night. I have to ask, where were you for that dunk? What was your vantage point?
1: (laughs) Um, I was actually not in my seat. I had been kind of in the back, and so I was coming back onto the floor, and I just caught it. And I'm really happy that I did because it was awesome. (laughs) So uh, sometimes, and that's you know part of my job too. Is I'll I'll be running around setting up the the next interview or you know doing something, and so I can turn my head from the game for a second. And when I miss something like that, I'm always super bummed about it.
0: Well, um, I'm happy for you that you didn't miss that because I was uh, I. Yes. I think I nearly uh, put a hole in my <laughs> ceiling when that happened. Um, so. <laughs> one one other player i have to ask you about is um of course Christoph Sporzingis. i i you know it's funny the, there's so much talk about him and and he you know he really hasn't said anything um you know since september I, I guess do you are you able from your position you know as someone who's reporting on this team and around this team every day to even get a sense of what what he thinks about you know, kind of where the organization is at, because that's you know that's been a concern in the past for people looking onward. Um, you know, we always hear that he's like one of the guys. He's at practices. He's he's joking around. He's helping out this and that. Like, what's what's your sense on how he he feels about things and how they're going?
1: He is well, so he is super involved with what's going on with the team. So he is at practice and he's rehabbing every day, and you know from all the times this year that I've been actually in practice, um, he's there, he's working, and, and then active with the guys and stuff like that. And I think the thing that is kind of the bottom line for Kristoff is he loves the game. He loves to play basketball, and he's kind of like that kid in the candy store <laughs> when he's, on the floor when it comes to everything basketball, really. So I know he's excited about the progress that this team is making and the potential and the talent and stuff like that. I just hope that when he comes back physically, he is, you know, doesn't miss a beat. And, you know, obviously if you're a fan of the game, you, you would hope that. So, you know, we'll see when he comes back onto the floor. And I, I just, I root for him. I, Kristaps and I were rookies together actually in New York. That was my first (laughs) season. Yes. It was his first season. And so it's been cool to watch him come into his own. And he's always just loved this game so much. Um, And, you know, he is going through a hard time with this injury, but he has stayed very active with this team, and he is engaged, and he is close with the guys. And it's that's what
0: you want to see. Yeah, and he I don't know, he seems like he was made for New York. I, I know I'm a New Yorker so I'm I'm kinda of, maybe that's wishful wishful thinking, but they're just I don't know, there seems to be an edge about him, um that I I love. Um so well yeah, we'll 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 see what happens, I guess. We we hope to see him on the floor at some point this season, I'm sure you do too. Um
1: Yes, I definitely do, of course. <laughs> uh
0: so I've saved Uh, The most important question for last, Um, you said before, and uh, we've seen you do some of the broadcasts during the playoffs, that you've worked for TNT. Have you had to ask Greg Popovich a question yet?
1: Money time. I have.
0: Yeah, I I was trying to find a clip of it today, and for the life of me, I could not. Um, What is your approach when you know you have that assignment coming up at the end of the quarter?
1: Ah, uh, you know, you just got to take Popovich with a grain of salt. You know <laughs> That's a good coming. way of
0: putting it. Um. You know,
1: I mean, I've got I've got so much respect for him as a coach and what he's been able to do. I mean, he's one of the most iconic coaches in the NBA. Um, I don't appreciate his interview style, but I would tell him that. So I don't think I'm <laughs> giving up any secrets there. <laughs> um, but, you know, you've got to you've got to roll with it in that situation.
0: Um, I appreciate that. That honesty. And I am sure anybody would tell him the same. Um, before I let you go, I, I have to ask, because I know, you know, I like I said, I have a, a two year old daughter who I think is already showing a little, I, maybe this is wishful thinking also, showing a little bit of a penchant for sports. My dream is that she gets involved in sports one day. I know we have a lot of female listeners to this podcast. Um, you are a female that has reached basically the top of your profession in an industry that is largely dominated by, by men. Um, do you have any advice for you know um, women out there trying to kind of break into the field of you know, journalism and, and like, you know, broadcasting and like, what, what would you, what would you tell them? Cause I still think it's, it's still, it has to be tougher, um, to, to make, to make that leap.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I would say the advice I always give women or men really that are trying to get into the business is internships. All of my internships, when I was trying to break into the business were the leads that ultimately led to the jobs that I've gotten over the years but it's a couple things beyond that too it's just the hustle you've got to be willing to do all of the work that it takes to really develop the skills to be a sportscaster and it's funny because when again it sort of comes back to when you see that snippet of a game on TV. It's just one tiny, we'll go with your piece of the pie analogy. Um, It's just one sort of slice of everything else that goes into the job. And so you have to really love it and be invested in wanting to do the work in addition to the fun, glamorous, exciting parts of getting to broadcast a game on TV. So I would say that. And then, you know, the other thing, too, is you've just got to stay super true to yourself. And so being a woman in this environment is and has been definitely challenging at times. I'm not going to sugarcoat that and say that it hasn't been challenging at times. But I feel so fortunate that I kind of just kept my head down and kept doing the work because now where I am, I'm so grateful to be working with people who are just awesome and, you know, I'm old enough at this point where I wouldn't take a job unless I really believed in the people and the network has just been so supportive of me. And I don't think it matters that I'm a woman. So I just think that we've got a good relationship because of the work. And at the end of the day, that's what you really wanted to come down to.
0: Well, I mean, listen, I, I get annoyed sometimes when people talk about the Knicks, um, you know, broadcast team and, and they just, you know, they mention, oh, it's Breen and Clyde. They're the best. And, and I think to myself, well, no, it's not just Breen and Clyde. It's Breen and, and Clyde and Rebecca. And I, I, I would be remiss to not say that it is, cause like any, any person could, could, Get up on TV and just spout positives about the team, but as you pointed out yourself, New York fans are smarter than that. They'll know when someone is trying to pull the wool over their eyes. Um, and I appreciate the um, integrity with which you approach uh, everything that you do, because you know I feel like if I'm if I get something from you, it's it's legit. Um, and on on behalf of all Knicks fans, I just you know I want to say thank you for that.
1: Oh, thank you. That's so kind of you to say, Jonathan. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been a fun ride and I'm really, really enjoying MSG Networks and covering this team and we all have that mentality that we want to bring that level of integrity to the game and we know our fans are smart and that's why we love them. Um, so it's, it's, it's fun to get to, to get to kind of Bring that to them every night, and and, you know, we have such a great time, even when this team isn't, you know, winning as much as we'd like to see. But I think we're gonna see that that's gonna start changing.
0: Well, you
1: can, you can mark my words.
0: The the mathematical probability are, is that they will not lose um, the next, how many games are left of the season? 40, uh, 46, 48 games. I'm losing track. Um, I, uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast. This has been uh, this has been a real treat, and I know it's going to be a treat for our listeners. So really, um, thank you and thank you for the work that you do. And I'm with you. I hope they get a win. Maybe who knows uh, if LeBron decides to take another light, night off, um, maybe we we get one uh, tomorrow night, or excuse me, Friday night.
1: Yes, the winds are coming.
0: Be <laughs> the, the winds are coming. That's the that's the new motto. I'm going to go with that. Um, all yes. right. Something. all right uh, thank you again so much and of course um thank you to everybody out there listening we appreciate you tuning in to another episode of the next film school podcast um we will be back with uh, another episode tomorrow but for now uh, we hope you have a great rest of your day and thanks you okay, yeah.